Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right, there we go. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking on this topic of reset. And we said that at the beginning of the year, it's always a good time to reset our lives, to realign our lives, because God is a God of newness. God is a God of second chances. God is a God that deserves us to realign our values, goals, beliefs, and that we are to put God first. Because after all, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, and if you have your bulletin, you can open it and follow along with me. God said in Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as what? As well. And in that passage, Jesus is talking about us not worrying about what to eat, what to wear, about where to live, uh, basic essential needs. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. So as we reset our lives, the goal is to put God first, not to make God first because God already is first, but to put him first in your life. And we've been talking about how to do that, right? And we said that the best way to do that is through our habits, through our lifestyle, through the things that we practice. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And he said, train yourself for godliness, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let me tell you something. Every believer is going to live two lives. The life here on earth and the life in eternity. And putting God first, becoming a godly person, not only has benefits for the life that is to come, because we will get responsibilities, rewards, acknowledgement based on how we live for God. But Paul says that training for godliness also has benefits for this life. So we've been talking about some of those habits. How do we train for godliness? Well, we said through fasting, the fasting is consecrating ourselves unto God. We also said that through the reading of God's word, through the declaration of God's word, through the believing of God's word, through the acting of God's word, God work works in us. And then last week we spoke about community and we said that, that God uses other people to help us become better people to make our faith stronger and that we are to reset our connections with our church family. Today, I want to talk to you about the fourth habit. And today I want to invite you to to just share a few moments with me resetting our commitment to generosity. Today, we're going to talk about money. Is that all right? Well, even if it's not, it's too bad, right? In fact, I want you to tell your neighbor, hey, they're going to talk about money and you're going to be okay. Go ahead, tell them. Tell them, hey, we're going to talk about money. You're going to be okay. So before we talk about money or generosity, let me just say it this way, generosity. Before I talk about money, I want you to know two things. I just want to put two things on the table, okay? Because I know any time we talk about generosity, people get uncomfortable and they're like, see, this is why I don't like coming to church and and the pastor just wants my money. Let let me tell you two things, okay? Number one. 
I don't want nothing from you. I want something for you. I want to help you. I truly, truly do. And, and I've come to the point where I, I, I am going to embrace how good God has been with me and I'm just going to declare it. And today I'm going to show you with my life in some ways how this works, okay? So I don't want nothing for you. I want from you. I want something for you. But the second thing, how is it that we don't feel uncomfortable asking God to bless us financially, but when we talk about blessing God financially, suddenly we do. Thank you, Leslie. We don't have a problem saying, God, I don't got a job. Can you give me a really good job? God, I might be getting fire and I can't afford to get fire. Can you help me out? We don't have a problem asking God to help us financially. But anytime we are asked to bless God financially, suddenly, no, nah, that's not spiritual. That's not, that's, that's not right. That's not from God. Amen. So what I want to do today I want to take you to a passage that you are likely familiar with if you've been in church for a while, but I want to look at it in a different light. And I hope that the way we look at it, um, it motivates you to a life of generosity. Are you with me? Malachi chapter three, verse eight through 11. Some of you are, you know where I'm going, but I don't think you know where I'm going. Look at what it says right there in your outlines. It says, will a man rob God? Will a human being, will a person rob God? And he answers that question. God says, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God answers, in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more what? Need. Can I read that again? He says, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a what? A blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vines in the fields uh, shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you what? Blessed. For you will be a land of delights. Uh, you will be a land of delights, says the Lord of hosts. I like the question that God brings up. And I like to ask you to ponder that question. Is it possible to rob God? Is, there, is it possible to rob the Almighty, the one who knows everything, the one who sees everything? Is it possible to rob God? Well, according to this passage, God says, yes. Yes, indeed, you can. Now, we have to ask the question, how is it that we rob God? And I think most people would look at this verse and they say, well, we rob God when we don't give our money. We rob God through our tithes and our offerings. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God needs your money? No. If you think God needs your money, I want you to walk away from here knowing that God does not need your money. That when God is talking about robbing him, he's not referring to money. We don't rob God with money issues. So if we don't rob 
help God with money issues, what is it that God is talking about? Well, here, I want you to fill this out in your outlines. When God says, don't rob me, here's what he means. Don't rob God of opportunities to bless you. Don't rob God of opportunities. He is not talking about money. He does not need your money. He wants your trust. He wants your obedience. God doesn't need your money. See, when we don't trust him or obey him, we rob him of opportunities to bless us. That's why he says, would a man rob God? And he says, yes, you have robbed me through your tithes and offerings. And he's not saying, I need your money. I'm broke. I can't do my kingdom without your money. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, when you don't trust me and obey me, you rob me of opportunities to bless you. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a minute. But we read twice where he says, test me in this and see if I will not open the, the floods of heaven and pour down so much blessing upon you. See, God established generosity for our benefit, not his. God doesn't need us to be generous. He wants us to be generous because when we are generous, he can bless us in return because that's who he is. That's how he is. Giving is not to bless God, but it's to allow God to bless you. Can I prove that to you? Let me prove it with, the, with that passage. God says that if we stop robbing him, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. That's amazing. And he said, well, what's so special about that, Pastor? Why didn't God say, I will rebuke the devourer for the kingdom's sake? He rebuked it for you. He says, I am going to rebuke the enemy for you. My kingdom is good. I can take care of my kingdom. But when you trust me, when you obey me, I can bless you. I can take care of you. I can defend you. I, I like the other part that he says. He says that when we rob him of these opportunities, when we're not generous and we rob him of these opportunities, he says, you are cursed with the curse for you are what? Robbing me. Now, here's what you need to know. I don't believe it's God that curses you. I don't believe God curses you when you aren't generous. God is not the one that does it. But the curse happens because when you are generous and you obey and you trust God, you come up under God and God now can be your provider. God can now take care of you. But when you refuse to trust and obey God, well, then you got to figure it out on your own. You got to take care of your own provision. You got to take care of your own life. You are your own God. And I don't know about you, but money can be stressful, can be a source of argument, can be a source of lack of sleep. And when God is taking care of you because you've trusted him, because you've obeyed him, compared to when you have to do it your way, it should feel like a curse. Because there's such a gap difference between God being my provider, between God being my shield, between God being everything for me, and now me having to have to figure out on my own. So the curse doesn't come from God. The curse comes from the approach that we take. 
And see, when you aren't generous in your life, when you don't trust God and obey God in your finances, you remove yourself. You rob God of those opportunities to provide for you, to care for you, to be your guard. I'll give you an example. I'll give you another example that doesn't involve money. A Christian that doesn't pray. A Christian that doesn't pray will not experience victory in their life. Because when you pray, you invite the kingdom of God into your situations. And now God can move and now God can act. But if you're not praying, you might still go to heaven. But you won't experience breakthroughs and victories in your life because you're not inviting God into your situation. Listen to me. They're going to put this up in the screen. If there's something I would want you to walk away with this with this. Any area of your life that is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is open to defeat. Any area of your life that is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is open to defeat. Any area, your family, your sexual life, your character, your career, uh, any area that you do not submit completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is open to defeat. And not just to defeat, but to deception. And that's why people believe certain things that are not biblical because they refuse to submit that area to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I, my parents taught me to tithe since my very first job, and I've shared this with you guys. My very first job was winning $50 a week selling ice cream on an ice cream van. And my parents taught me to tithe. And can I tell you something? I have never had need in my whole life. Never. We, Lorena and I have never had to worry, how are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get to that? How, we've never had to. Because God has taken care of us. And I used to be afraid to say that because I used to think that you would think that as a pastor, I'm taking and abusing your money. But I am not. Our church leadership knows that I don't manage our finances. I don't have access to your offerings. But God has been so good to us. I remember this. When I told Lorena, when I was going to propose to her, I said, hey, I'm a pastor. So that means we may never own a house. That means that we may never take vacations, that we may never have luxuries because you don't go into ministry for money. So I want you to really think about it twice because I'm a pastor and I'm going to be a pastor my whole life. Think about it. I know you love me. I know you don't want to miss out on this hot thing, but you really got to think about that. Right? Well, can I tell you something? God has given us all those things that I told Lorena that I could not guarantee. We have been able to visit places. We've been able to have experiences because God knows how to take care of his people that trust him and obey him. So in Malachi, when God says, you are robbing me, God doesn't need your money. He wants your obedience. He wants your trust. So what I want to do with the minute, that few minutes that I have left, I want to talk to you about three opportunities that you have that you can give God to bless your life. Because see, I find that everybody wants God to bless them and God wants to bless you. But you have to align. Because here's the thing. 
Leslie left, but she said, today I was preaching, so I'm just going to go ahead and preach. Okay? Some of you are asking God to bless your family. You're not even married. And God cannot bless where there's disobedience. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm telling you that because I love you. And some of you, you're asking God to bless you financially, and you are not trusting and obeying God in your finances. And it's not that God has cursed you. It's that you have chosen the path of curse. Because you have removed God from being your provider and from being under his care. So I want to give you three opportunities to embrace God's blessing over your life. How many of you guys want to be blessed? Amen. Here we go. You ready with me? I promise you, you'll survive this. I promise you. Okay. The first one, the first opportunity the first opportunity you have to embrace God to bless you is through the tithe. It's through the tithe. Would you fill that in? I am convinced that one of the main ways God gives us opportunities to bless us is with the tithe. What is the, thank you, Martha. Thank you. What is the tithe? The tithe, listen to me. The tithe is the first 10% that is returned back to God because it belongs to God. And it's important that the tithe be the first 10%. Let me tell you what tithing is not, okay? I have $10 here, assuming that I made $10, that, that I earned a, a $10, right? This is my earnings. This is what tithe is not. Well, you know, those kids, man, they eat a lot. So we got to buy some groceries. You know that shoe addiction I got? You know the new Nikes dropped? Gotta get them. Oh man, Disneyland is so awesome. I love Disneyland. Gotta make that payment. I can't walk everywhere, right? I gotta have a good car, big family, so I gotta make my car payment, right? And uh, well, my body's the temple of God, right? So I gotta pay that gym membership, right? And uh, I got to give towards my favorite church, St. Starbucks. <laughs> and well, you know, the wife, she's got to get her nails. She's got to get her hair done. So, you know, I, I want a good looking wife. So I got to take care of her, right? And bills, right? I need Wi-Fi. I need that heater on, right? So we got to pay my bills. And uh, well, we got to save for a rainy day. Right? So let's put a little bit for a rainy day. And uh, well, if I have anything left or what I have left, well, God, I guess that's yours. That's not tithing. That's not tithing. This is what tithing is. God, thank you. This is yours. See, this doesn't take faith. This does. And tithing is scary. But see, Tithing takes faith because it says, God, I trust that you could do more with 90% than I can with 100%. And so you're saying, but pastor, I, I don't tithe and I'm doing okay. Yes, but you could be doing better. Because God is a never ending source and he always wants to take us from blessing to blessing, from glory to glory to glory. See, every time you get paid, every time you get paid, you have an opportunity and you take a test. 
Whoever you pay first, that's who you worship first. If you pay MasterCard first, that's who you worship first. If you pay your landlord first, then you worship your landlord first. But when you say, no, God, this is yours. And I, I believe that everything comes from you and everything belongs to you. And I, I, you're first. I'm putting you first. So you take a test. Who will you worship first? But you also have an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. And when I do, I know that you're going to bless me. Because see, we all want the blessing without doing any of this. But that's not the way it works. Let me tell you this about tithes. It'll be up here on the screen. Tithing is not a debt that you owe. It is a seed that you sow. Tithing is not, well, I got to pay my tithes. You don't have to pay them because they're not yours. It's a seed that God gave you to sow. And see, when you tithe, you declare that all of your finances belong to the Lord. And when you put God first, then there can't be defeat in your house financially because God will take care of you. You know why I can say that? Because God said that. He said, test me in this. And my life is a living testimony. In Joshua chapter 6, the people of Israel are getting ready to take the promised land. And part of taking possession is that they got to defeat the cities, the towns. And the first city that they are to conquer is the city of Jericho. And I want you to notice something that God says. The orders that God gives them as they take possession of the first city and all that God was going to give them. Look at what he says in Joshua 6, 18 and 19 right there in your outline. It says, but keep away from what? The devoted things. So that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to what? To destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred. In other words, they're set apart to the Lord and must go into his what? His treasury. See, if you know the story. You know that the people of Israel didn't obey God. God said, hey, as I give you this city, there's things that belong to me and those things you cannot touch. Those things you have to bring back to my house. If you don't, you're going to bring trouble. And they didn't listen. They took what belonged to the Lord. If you know the story, the next city was, was Ai, and it was a smaller city. In fact, they said, the city is so small, and, and, and it's so defenseless that we don't even have to take the whole army. Well, they lost, not because they didn't take the whole army. They lost because they disobeyed God when God said, you shall not take what belongs to me. See, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. He gives you what you need, but he gave you a little bit more for you to be able to trust him and obey him. Look at what the Bible says in Leviticus 27, 30. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as what? As holy. When you take what belongs to the Lord and you give it to the Lord, it is sanctified. When you take what belongs to the Lord and you keep it in your house, you bring about trouble into your house. Hey, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, pastor, but you're using a bunch of Old Testament illustrations. 
What about Jesus? Well, let me tell you two interesting things about Jesus and tithing. You ready for this? Number one, did you know that Jesus said that we were to tithe? Want me to prove it? Here we go. Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious laws and you Pharisees hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should what? Tithe. Yes. Jesus said you should tithe. The problem with the Pharisees is that they were tithing and they weren't doing all the other things that also matter, like love and justice. And he says, don't ignore tithing but also take care of what also matters. Loving, being faithful, having mercy, being justful. But Jesus said, you should tithe, yes. So if any of you say, well, that's an Old Testament thing. Well, Jesus said tithe. Not only that, did you know that not only Jesus said to tithe, but the, the New Testament tells us that Jesus receives our tithes. You ready for this? Look at this. Look at what Hebrews 7 and 8 says. He says, here, mortal man, receive your tithes. But there, he receives them of whom it is witness that what? And he lives. When you tithe, the church receives your tithes. And it is your tithes that allow us to, to keep this place going, that allows us to turn on the lines, that allows us to have a printer, to do a bulletin, that allows us to, to do everything that we do. Well, we receive them. Listen, we use them, but Jesus himself receives them. When you tithe, you're not giving to me and you're not even giving to Dayspring. You're giving to Jesus through Dayspring. You don't give your tithes to the pastor. You don't give your tithes to Dayspring. You give them to Jesus through your local church. And it is your giving that allows us to, to be able to do ministry. And see, when you tithe, you give God an opportunity to bless you. Lorena spoke about the giving reports. I want to encourage you to take one. I have mine here. And I want to tell you some of the things that your tithing has allowed us to do in 2023. In 2023, we were able to have our best Easter celebration where 334 people attended and five accepted Jesus. We also had our first ever Christmas musical where, where, we had a, where we had over 10 people accept Jesus. Your tithing has allowed us to be able to improve the kids' ministry. I can tell you confidently today that your kids are being discipled in kids' ministry. They are not being babysat. They are being discipled. Our life groups, our life groups grew from an average of 69 people to 77 people in 2023. In 2023, we were able to celebrate five baby dedications, 20 new members, and 13 baptisms. And that is worth giving God glory. But not, not just that. You know what the best part is? In 2023, our average Sunday attendance grew by 23 people. We're not a church in decline. We're a church that's growing. And your faithful generosity allows us to do that. So I, I want to thank every single one of you that faithfully and generously gives to Jesus through Dayspring. It is your tithes that not only blesses you, but that allows us to be a blessing to others. Number two, here's the second off. I see a lot of serious faces. Come on, smile. Come on, smile. Jesus still loves you, okay? He just wants to bless you more. 
The second opportunity you can embrace for God to bless you is through offerings. Oh, pastor, really? You just spoke about tithes. What are, now you're going through offerings? Look at what Malachi 3.8 says. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how, are, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and what? Contributions, offerings, right? We've already established that the tithe belongs to the Lord. So how is it that we can rob God? How is it that we can rob God through our offerings if they don't belong to him? Because your offerings don't belong to him. Offerings in the Bible are free-willed offerings. They got to be an expression of your love. They're not an obligation. They're not mandatory. But God says, you are robbing me through your offerings. Well, here's why. Because when we give offerings, we give God other opportunities for God to bless us even more. While they don't belong to him, they do provide another opportunity. It's kind of like supersizing your meal, right? And you give God other opportunities to be able to bless you more. Which then begs the question, well, pastor, if I'm already trusting God through my tithes and offerings, why should I give? I mean, if I'm already trusting God through my tithes, why should I be encouraged to do offerings? Oh, here's why. Don't you want God to bless you more? I mean, you ever seen those informations? I don't want to compare God to that, but I just want you to understand what's going on here. You ever seen those informations where like, if you buy it today, you will buy it for $19.99. And if you are within the first 20 callers, you could get a double for just the shipping. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everything belongs to God. Did you know that? Why should we give God our tithes and also give free will offerings? Because everything belongs to him. Look at what 1 Chronicles 29, 29, 19 says. But why should we be happy that we are giving you these gifts? By the way, this is Solomon. When they, were, when they had rebuilt the temple, they were dedicating it unto the Lord. And look at what he, what he says. He says, but why should we be happy that we have given you these gifts? They belong to who? To you. We have only given back what is already yours. Oh, Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. So why, why be motivated to give offerings and be generous in that way? Because it already belongs to God. Parents understand this perfectly. Have you ever gotten a gift from your kids that you paid for? Right? You're like, oh, I bought myself socks again. You know, Nathan loves coming to Costco with me. And I finally figured out why. Because the guy likes the free samples. And he always wants to make a stop at the, at the food court. And he always wants ice cream. And in one occasion, because I'm a good dad, just don't tell her, Aina, um, I bought him an ice cream, right? And I wasn't eating ice cream, but, but, I, but I wanted some. So I said, hey, Nathan, can I have a scoop of your ice cream? And he said, yeah, dad, go ahead. So he gave me a scoop and it, it tasted really good. This wasn't during the fast, okay? This Because some of you are looking at me very judgmental right now. This wasn't during the fast, I promise you. This was, this was last year, last, I promise you. I'm standing before God. And I really liked it. And I said, hey, Nathan, I want more of your ice cream. And you know what he said? Nope, this is my ice cream. I said, come on, dude. I bought it for you. 
Let me just get a little bit more. No, dad, this is my ice cream. This is mine. Isn't that the way we act with God sometimes? No, this is mine. It's mine. But give me more. This is mine, but give me more. See, if Nathan had given me ice cream, and even if I had finished it, I have the resources to buy him not just one, two, three, four, but as many as he needed. And God can do the same. Why do we give offerings? Because it's an opportunity for God to bless us even more. Number three, number three. They're telling me I got to finish. Am I preaching all right? Yeah. It's stinging a little, but it's helping you? Yeah. Amen. All right. Here, here's the third one, okay? Here's the third stitch. You ready for this? The third opportunity you can, you can embrace for God to bless you. Ready for this? Through sacrificial offerings. Really, pastor? It sounds like the prosperity gospel. No, it's not the prosperity gospel. Okay? I'm teaching you what the Bible tells us. And there are many instances of sacrificial offerings in the Bible. These are not common, but they are there. For example, we know that David gave a sacrificial offering when they were building the temple. And David gave such a sacrificial offering that calculated in our economy today, it is equivalent to $21 billion. He said, I'm not only going to give what I'm supposed to give. I'm going to give what I feel led to give. And he gave so much. Solomon, when he, was, when, he was, when he was established as the king, the custom was to sacrifice one bull. But he sacrificed a thousand bulls. It was a sacrificial offering. What about that woman that anointed Jesus with the perfume? Did you know that that perfume was equivalent to the wages of one year? But she used it to pour on the feet of Jesus. And when you think about sacrificial offerings, the greatest, the biggest sacrificial offering was when God gave his one and only son for you and for me. Jesus was a sacrificial offering. I want to show you one more, and it's in Mark 12, 41. Look at what it says. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people... Put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who were making contributions. Look at this. For they gave tiny parts of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Jesus not only looks at what we give, but most importantly, how we give. And what he wants most from us when it comes to being generous is our heart. He doesn't want us to give from our head. He wants us to give from our heart because we love him, because we trust him, because our devotion is to him. Which begs to ask the question, well, pastor, I already tithe. I already occasionally give offerings. Why should I make sacrificial offerings? Here's why. Because your sacrificial offerings will allow you to make an impact that's greater than you. Can I say that again? And I'll prove it in just a minute. Your sacrificial offerings will allow you to make an impact that is greater than you. Look at what, what Paul says. Paul in Philippians 4, he's receiving an offering 
And look at what he says. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, yes, it was good of you to share my troubles. Can, let me just stop there. Can I just tell you that generosity is always good? The enemy is never going to tempt you to be generous. When you feel like giving, don't rebuke the devil because he will never tempt you to be generous. And that's why Paul says, yes, it's good that you gave, right? And he says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than one when I was in need. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Today, we live in a time where within 24 hours, you could be in any place of the world. You want to be in Tokyo? Within 24 hours, you could be there. You want to be in Brazil? Within 24 hours, you could be there. We have the capacity to be and go anywhere in the world. But that wasn't the case in those days. If you grew up in Nazareth, you lived in Nazareth and you died in Nazareth. They didn't have the ability to travel. But Paul says, hey, church in Philippi, you, although you never knew Thessalonica, you made an impact in Thessalonica. How? Through your giving. It was your giving that allowed you to go where you may have never been able to go. You want to know something? I've never been to Spain. I've never been to Reno, Nevada. I've never been to Monterey, Mexico. But you want to know something? I've made an impact in those cities because I've given to people that are friends of mine that are ministers in those cities. And though I have never physically been there, I have made an impact and I have gone and I've been able to contribute to something that is greater than me. Can I make that personal for you? Today, you are sitting in a place where many, many years ago, somebody made a soda seed so that today you could reap that impact. This building hasn't been kept open because of you. It was kept open because people gave and they were generous and they trusted God. And today, now you get to receive some of that impact in your life. You know, this week, um, God did something really crazy and I knew I was going to talk about giving. So I knew God was going to do something in my life. And uh, I was talking with somebody this week and we had a good time talking. And after they left, I clearly heard the voice of God. I want you to give them money. Lord, we just came out of Christmas. We just gave towards Steve. We got some other things coming up. And I clearly heard God say, I want you to give them money. So I said, all right, I'm going to give them 25 bucks. And I heard God say, no, not 25 bucks. All right, 35. Nope, not 35. I won't tell you how much I gave them. But that's when I finally, it cost me a little. But I gave it joyfully. And I said, all right, God, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to die over this. You know, I'm not going to be broke over this. So I'm just going to trust you. Friday night, I got a call. It was a really good call. I got a call that I am going to start getting compensating for something that I have been doing for free. And they gave me a call and they said, hey, this year, we, we, we know we need to give you something. So we're going to start paying you for that. 
I said, thank you, Lord. Last Christmas, um, God has given us an opportunity to be able to buy a little land up in early March. And we have a, a trailer home that we rent and it's income that we get every, every, every month. And last Christmas, God put in my heart, I want you to take that money and I want you to give it to this family. All of it, Lord? Yes, all of it. So I told my wife about it, hoping that she would say, no, Nestor, don't you know that we budget for those things? Like, sure with the Lord. So I told my wife, you know what she said? Do it. And I said, no, you do it. Do it right now. And she took care of it that day. We sent family that money. Now, I don't have a story to tell you that God gave me twice as much because that's not always the case. What I'm trying to tell you is that when you trust and obey God, you place yourself in situations where God can bless you. So I want to encourage you greatly to reset your life of generosity. If you don't tithe, if you don't give, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. You're not going to go to hell. But you're going to rob God of opportunities to bless you in ways that you could never afford yourself. Now, here's what I do want to ask you. I do want to ask you today, and I told you this last year. I do want to ask you to make a sacrificial offering. And I'm not going to force anybody. We're not going to manipulate anybody. This year in 2023... We want to improve. We want to completely remodel our kids' area and our classrooms. Why those two areas? Here's why. It's our kids. Don't we want the best for our kids? But the other thing, why those areas? Because those are the areas of discipleship and growth. We want to change the floors. We want to paint the walls. We want to fix the bathrooms. We want to equip our kids with bigger and better TVs. We want to give them the resources they need. This classroom of the fireplace and the one where Brother Steve did the discipleship, we want to change the floors as well. We want to equip them to be great environments where people can be discipled and grow. So I want to ask you, I want to challenge, I want to invite you, I want to give you the opportunity, not just to make Day Spring better, but to give God an opportunity to bless you. I told you last time that my wife and I were going to commit to giving $1,000 towards this project. This is above and beyond our tithes. I'm not going to take my tithes and give them to that. If you do that, you are, you are covering one hole and creating another. Okay, this is above and beyond our tithes. When I mentioned that last time, I think there was like two, three people that gave right away. In fact, one couple gave me a check and they said, here, here's our, here's our offering. And I think it, uh, we have already about 900 bucks towards that, plus the thousand that my wife and I are going to give. Our goal is to raise a little bit more than 15,000 to cover all those things. And I think we could do it. I think our kids deserve it. And I want to ask you to make a sacrificial offering I don't do this often. I only do this once a year and I will always do it towards things that matter. And I believe that the discipleship of our kids and the discipleship of our church matters. Amen. Amen? So I want to ask you to do that before you go and spend your money on Disney passes. Will you consider giving it to God? Now, let me give you some instructions. If you have the money to do it today, don't delay. Trust God today. Do it today. But if you need to go home and get your wife's permission, I mean, talk to your wife. Um, it's okay. 
But here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Please, this is the difference between the prosperity gospel and the gospel of Jesus. I am not forcing you to. I am not obligating you. You got to want to. And if you don't, your kids are still welcome in the kids ministry. And if you don't, you're still welcome at Dayspring. Amen. You're just robbing yourself of an opportunity to be a blessing and be blessed. So what I want to ask you to do in front of you, there's a respond card. And I just want you to take that out if it's in your heart to give. And I want you to write on your name on there. And I want you to let us know how much you are going to give. We want to start making plans to do that. And I would encourage you to give it within the next month, next two months at the max. Because our desire is that before Easter, we could have those rooms ready. Amen. That's our goal. You're not obligated to give. If you're new, please, please do not see this as a manipulation. It is not. Okay. But if you would like to give, you can do that. And then uh, you can drop that off at the, uh, you walk out. We'll have an offering plate for you to do that. But I want to invite you to do that. My wife and I, we're going to do $1,000 at the very minimum. If we could do more, we're going to do more because we love the kingdom. We love God. Now, let me tell you two things. Pastor, how do I know how much to give? Ask God. And don't ask him with your head. Ask him with your heart. And pastor, what if my wife has a number and then I have a number and they're different numbers? Well, my opinion is that whoever has the highest number is probably listening to the Lord. Because <laughs> he's generous. Because he's generous. Now, listen to me. It's a sacrificial offering because it's, it's going it's to sting a little, but it's going to be worth it. Amen? Okay, can we close that chapter? So anyways, whenever you're ready to do that, you could do that. So let me close that chapter, okay? Chapter close. We're going to move to something else. Today, we end our 21-day fast. Amen? <laughs> the Lord has placed in our heart to do a couple of things. Here's the first thing we want to do. In your bulletin, you're going to ha you have a little sheet like this. Listen to me, because you guys are sometimes not very good at listening. The Lord placed in my heart. Luis, would you bring that up with you, Luis? Let me grab this. So we have this prayer box. That's the Ark of the Covenant that Luis donated to Dayspring a few years back. And here's what the Lord placed in my heart. What's your biggest prayer for 2024? Is it the salvation of a loved one? Is it the healing of your marriage? Is it getting into a university? What is it? One. One, okay? This is not a grocery list. One. I want to invite you to write it. And we're going to put these in, the, in, the, in this prayer box. Symbolic that they are before the Lord and that he's going to move and act. And this box sits in my office. And I got used to praying for you in those little papers. So I'm going to keep it in my office and I'm going to commit to praying for you often and believing that God is going to answer these prayers. We began our fast believing that the best for, from God for us is not behind us, but ahead of us. And I believe this is part of it. So I want to invite you. Would you take the biggest prayer of your heart? You know what my biggest prayer is? I want my dad back. 
I want them back. That's going to be my prayer. I know what immigration says, but I know one that is above immigration. So that's going to be my prayer. What's going to be yours? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.